everybody. Welcome to episode 300 of The Virtual Couch. I am your host, Tony Overbay, and I thought I would start off today with a quick story. It was just something that I thought about as I was going to record today. I had a client a couple of weeks ago ask me what I had planned for my 300th episode, and admittedly, I had not really thought much about it as if it were a big monumental occasion. And on episode 200, a couple of years ago, I was about to say 200 years ago, but I think it was two years ago, Joshua Shea, who had co-authored a book with me, said that he wanted to interview me, and we had a lot of fun, but that really does seem like forever ago. And it also seems like just a few weeks ago, which led me to think just again about how different we all are as human beings. So for some things like dates are significant and they are big and they are huge. And for others, they are just dates on a calendar. And so who who's right about that? No one and everybody simply meaning that if dates or our episode numbers are important to you, then uh, check that out. That is absolutely a thing. And if they're not, then that too is also a thing. And I have spent many, many couple sessions where, and, and I'll just go with the numbers that I see in my office. Let's just say often a guy won't remember the date of when he when when he and his wife first looked across a, a crowded high school lunchroom only to have her look away as she didn't want to seem too obvious while she, and I'm being honest, this is an absolutely true example, will then call this grow, uh, growing resentment over the next 15 years as he refuses to remember that date, leaving it up to her to finally bring it up when they go to bed that evening. And in that particular scenario, when we started to dig a little bit deeper, a little further examination, he grew up in a home where birthdays were literally not acknowledged. And she grew up in a home where each and every date was on the family calendar and it was hung for everybody to see. And even more fascinating, when we dug deeper, each evening before they went to bed, the wife in this scenario sat with a, a whole bunch of her siblings and their mom went through the next day's events, looking at the calendar, significant dates, and then praised any of the kids who remembered what they did last year for whoever's birthday or whatever it was, whatever they were celebrating the anniversary of. And it could be anything, just fill in the blank. So it really did. It was a touching moment of couples therapy in my office when we broke down all those things. So we're all different. I mean, we, we really are. And I would encourage you to go forth today, maybe in the name of episode 300, Christmas season, holidays, you name it. And uh, go forth today with a little bit of curiosity and, and a little bit more emotional maturity, assuming that people are generally op operating from a place of good or if we need to dig deeper, that there's a reason behind why people do or, or don't do what they do. So how is that for an elongated intro? So, all right, but I am, I am really just glad you're here. So coming up on today's show, I'm interviewing somebody that I really am legitimately a huge fan of, and you'll hear why. His name's Neil Hooper, and you're going to hear a little bit more about how Neil and I met and the role that Neil has played behind the scenes in my life. And then we are going to talk about goals. And this is significant today. I don't want you to turn the dial, even though I know that that is not a thing, but stick around because this is not your average yearly New Year's resolution talk. Oh no, we break down everything that you've ever thought about goals, and I think you're really going to enjoy this one. And yes, Neil is promoting something, and I'll talk about that. But it is interesting because I will, I'll talk about it in the interview, but I just was not the biggest fan of setting goals because I got to this point with using the acceptance and commitment therapy model where people would set goals. They would set socially compliant goals. They would set goals they think that they were supposed to set. And then life would happen. And since they really weren't, it wasn't a value-based goal, then they would find themselves doing all kinds of other things other than that goal. And then they could even
even beat themselves up about wanting to set goals or then compare themselves with others. Or so I don't know if you've had that experience, but Neil and I break it down so well. And I think you're really going to enjoy this today. So again, he is promoting something. It's called his achievement tribe program. And you have until December 30th to sign up if you really like what you hear when I think you will. And when you sign up and the links will be in the show notes, but you can use the code virtual couch, which is all one word. And I believe you get 33% off of Neil's course. And Neil talks about it in the episode, but he uses this phrase. He's calling it, uh, it is a goal sprint using what he and I talk about today. And okay, here's what's funny to me. I Neil throws this out there and I hope that this is uh, viewed in the intent that it is uh, given, but not realizing that a good episode of the virtual couch can have 15, 20,000 or so listeners from over a hundred countries. And so at one point he just says, Hey, you can sign up for a free goal coaching call with him. So virtual couch listeners, I am not trying to say inundate my good friend, Neil, and uh, make him regret his words because no, but I'm saying if you really feel like you, you resonate with Neil and you want to take advantage of that and you want to change your life and all those wonderful things, then uh, don't be bashful. Neil is an absolute wealth of knowledge. So if you like what you hear, you'll, you can find the links in the show notes or on the podcast section on TonyOverbay.com and reach out to him and you will absolutely not regret it. So let's uh, get to this episode with my friend Neil Hooper and then just uh, one minute or less, if you are looking uh, to the world of online counseling or can't find a therapist in your area, then just do me a favor and go to BetterHelp.com slash Virtual Couch and you'll get 10% off your first month's services, the fee for services. And then you have a sliding scale they make it really easy. There's a, a pretty in-depth assessment process, and you can find a, a licensed counselor, or licensed therapist, in uh, who you can talk to either teletherapy or phone therapy or text therapy or email therapy or whatever that looks like for you. But uh, you owe it to yourself to to work on yourself. Put that emotional baseline first. Self-care is not selfish, and that puts you in a better place to be the best version of you for any and all of the things that you do in your life. So, with that said, BetterHelp.com/virtualcouch. Go check that out, and let's get to this interview today with my my buddy my pal Neil Hooper. Come on in, take a seat on the Action. Recording has started just like that, Neil. Ooh, how exciting. I know. I want to welcome my dear old friend, dear dear friend, <laughs> Neil Hooper to the virtual couch. And it has really been a long time coming. Neil, welcome to the virtual couch. I am so excited to be here, Tony. It has been a long time coming, and I can't tell you how thrilled and excited I am to be here. Yeah. That, that little I, do people know that Neil was you. You've been a, a pretty integral part of the last couple of years of my life and helped me um, up my virtual couch game and my website game. Helped me update my Path Back course to the Path Back 2.0, which now has a, a group of people that are working on turning away from unhealthy coping mechanisms. That's all thanks to Neil, and so it really is an honor to have you on here. I, I would talk about you in behind the scenes or my guy or my behind the scenes guy, Neil. And, and I would get people that would say, uh, who is this Neil? So you know, <laughs> here he is. Now you're, you're finally pulling back the curtain and unveiling. No, it's that's real. very, that's very kind of you. I feel like you have been is equally a part of my life for the last few years and, and going even further back than that. And you've really helped me refine so much of what I'm doing. I, not to make this some kind of, like, I know, right. <laughs> Keep telling me how great I am, Neil. I'll tell you yeah. more of how great you are. Yeah, everybody knows Tony's ego's not big enough, so we need to inflate <laughs> okay, it a right. little more. <laughs> oh, yes, I got a snort. That was my goal. Was like, back to back, right out of the gate. <laughs> oh, no, but really, it is such an honor to be here. And I'm so excited to talk about 
all these things because there really is so much synergy behind the, the projects that we're doing together. Mm-hmm. But then separately, there's just so many cool things. And I can't wait to, to get your perspective and to share a little bit about that. Well, what I love is when we were trading some messages and we have you coming on my podcast or me coming on your podcast. We've talked about it for a long time. And now I almost feel like this is really what we were meant to talk about because it's uh, heading toward the end of the year. This episode will go up before the end of the year. And we're going to talk about we're going to talk about your, one of your favorite things, goals. And I really appreciate the we've had hours of conversations around goals and goal setting. And I'm very open about the fact that I think you've helped me get back to a place of a healthy way to set goals. And so I don't know if we want to start on a little bit of a journey of how we started talking about goals and where you started in that regard and then how we collaborated because it really has helped me a lot. And I really feel like we've put some acceptance and commitment therapy along with your ideas of the goal setting. And I really feel like we've created the chocolate meets peanut butter kind of moment. <laughs> yes, right. it, it absolutely is. I, I would love to start there. And okay. so just to give a little background of my journey and my passion for goal setting, gosh, it really has been close to eight years now that I, wow. it was eight years ago. And I really kind of went down this journey of trying to figure out how to consistently and confidently set, pursue, and achieve goals. Because everything that I was taught and that most people were doing, and uh, they just weren't effective. And so I remember it was about eight years ago. I was kind of at this turning point professionally and otherwise. I got my first big boy job here in Salt Lake. And I wanted to really level up. I remember the SMART goals. Everyone knows what a SMART goal is. And what are they? Talk, talk about those. Because <laughs> yeah, I, mean, so, I remember one of the first times where you said, you know, SMART goals, right? And I remember feeling very uh, yes. far away from goal setting I had gotten altogether. So, yeah, what, what are those? Oh, that, and that's good. So uh, a refresher, if you don't remember, or for those that aren't familiar with SMART goals, a SMART goal, it's an acronym to set a good goal. And this has been gold standard for mm-hmm. a long time. But the acronym stands for specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound, okay? Mm. Which sounds great, and it's a good starting point, and we can dive more into this maybe a little later. I'll just touch on it now, but SMART goals, they're a thing. They've been kind of this gold standard, but they just, they didn't work for me, and I found over the years that a lot of people who set SMART goals just don't see the results that they're hoping for. Yeah. And and we can get into the why in just a minute, but I'll just go with the story here. I, I did this deep dive, like literally every week I had this plan and I would research articles and, and studies. And and so over the, the years, I started formulating this process for setting goals and identifying where the gaps were in the, the strategies and tactics that people um, were using and especially SMART goals, but there's all kinds of other methods and approaches. And then fast forward, I I keep just been a passion, refining, New Year's resolutions, another thing, very good timing for this episode, but people are always surprised to learn that I don't set New Year's resolutions, which is Well, and again, maybe a little bit of your background, and this is, I was wanting to, I love that you're starting with the story and I wanted to have it then give us little offshoots of who Neil is, because you are, what I love about this is you are someone that is a very positive person. You are somebody that has been very goal-oriented. You've achieved a lot in your life. And so I often do feel like people think, if only I was more positive, if only I did achieve these certain things, then I would be happy. And so I feel like you're a good example of you. You have achieved a lot. You've worked hard to get where you are. So maybe even get, do a little deep dive on what was your, give me a little bit about your teenage years, talk a little bit about college, talk about some of those things and what got you to where you are. 
Okay. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. That's very kind of you. So, yeah, in college, so let's go to high school first. You know, grew up broken family, uh, mother, uh, single mother, five kids with clinical depression. Pretty everything that came along with that was it was kind of heavy. I didn't see a lot firsthand any sort of healthy goal setting or productivity stuff. And so I think almost out of necessity, almost kind of out of survival, I had to kind of figure out how to structure my life in a way. And so I think early on, some of those obstacles really, um, really served as a catalyst for me need, you know, craving that structure and craving some kind of aspiration. And my mother's one of my heroes and she, she did an amazing job given the circumstances, but that was really the foundation, which was really shaky, honestly. But then I came across some, some amazing people. I I don't know if you want to include this or not, but you were um, one of the people actually in my youth that we crossed paths very early on. And I remember you shared a few things at a fireside that were actually really helpful as well. But aside from that, I found some youth groups that were really helpful. But from there, I kind of go off on my own and I go to college and really didn't have any support. And again, out of necessity, had to find these and develop these processes to, to have that structure in order to achieve. And I, I look back and I'm, I'm very grateful that I was able to achieve quite a bit given my circumstances. And again, this is where it gets uncomfortable. You feel like you're, you're bragging a little bit, but it's, it's interesting because from that eight year period that I mentioned, you know, got really intentional, started setting goals, got married, got a, got a big boy job. And then that, I got another job and kind of leveled up there, went back to school, got a double master's degree in HR and an MBA at Utah State, had kids, got recruited to work at a Fortune 100 company. So I had achieved quite a bit, actually, at this point. But the interesting thing is I woke up in the midst of all this achievement and I was actually miserable. Wow. And so this is where it gets interesting and where our story kind of connects again. Yes. I don't know if, if that was the direction you were, yeah, you were wanting to no, go with I, that. I really appreciate your vulnerability because what I love so much about your story is I know you as this person that every time we talk, you lift me up and I get excited about it. And every now and again, it is almost, uh, I go back and remember having playing maybe a little bit of a role in your youth and your, and I knew your mom well, and she was an amazing lady and your brothers, all of you were just very ambitious. And and it was really uh, amazing to see. And so to be able to reconnect with you as as an adult, as a big boy, and then (laughs) hear your story, and then your vulnerability, I think is what really maybe drew me to you and and wanting us wanting to work closely more closely with you. And it was such perfect timing, because here I was working at a fortune 100 company realizing I was pretty miserable. And and not only was I not happy, but I I had slipped back into some hard things in terms of not having the mental health that I want, not having the physical health that I want. My relationships weren't doing as well. And so it was interesting that I had achieved so much and I did have these systems in place. But I remember listening to the virtual couch, which mm. now here I am um, on the virtual couch, which is so fun. I remember an episode where you talked about social compliance and how mm-hmm. if there's not that alignment with your goals, it's all that stuff slips in and it's, yeah. it's easy to, 
for your mental health to take um, a wrong turn. And my brother had done a little bit of work for you on the side. And then, okay. okay. I've never talked about that. Can I just say, <clears throat> yeah, please. I, lo- I love your brother to death. And I had paid, I, I had tried to do my own website for a long time. And this is even one of those things where talk about socially compliant goal. I was doing it cause I figured I had to, or I, I should know how to do my own website or I, but really I, I had no interest in doing it myself. So I would just kick that can down the road over and over again, all that experiential avoidance. I would find every other thing to do. So then I just impulsively dumped a, a, a large sum of money on somebody that said they would guarantee this amazing website and they didn't deliver. And then I was even feeling more like what's wrong with me. And I reached out to your brother and he was amazing. And he took the thing that I already had and he made it so much better, but he would always say, okay, for copyright and that sort of thing, I'm going to run it by Neil. Do you remember Neil? I'm like, I totally remember Neil. What's Neil up to? <laughs> and so I was just hearing this Neil's captain of industry. Neil's Neil's killing it. That sort of thing. <laughs> and so then, and then it was the elusive Neil where I kept finding out more. And I would, sometimes I would say to, to your brother, Riley, I'd say, Hey, I'd love to talk to, to Neil sometime. I could probably use a little help punching some things up. And so that's, I feel like the way that then I was led to you, but I didn't even know till right now that you during that process were listening to some of those episodes and, and resonating with them. Yeah, I did. And it was so fun because it was like this door opened up where you had this need yeah, and I was able to insert myself <laughs> selfishly. I was like, Hey, yeah, I'll do that. I'll help Tony. And, um, and yeah, that's kind of how it started. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's worth mentioning that on the side, kind of early on, I'd say about six months into my corporate job in, in Chicago, that I realized I'm not sure if this is what I want to be doing. And so I actually started moonlighting and side hustling a digital marketing business in web design. And so that was, I was setting myself up without knowing it to be able to come and, and really partner with you and help yeah. you out with, with some things. And then, and then a lot of other cool things later on the road. So that's, yeah, so that's where we cross paths again and reconnected. And it was so fun because then you fast forward a little bit longer. We helped you with with some things, get your website, that first website in in better shape. And then it got to the point in my job where I discovered that I was giving into social compliance and I had achieved a lot of things, but Mm. I wasn't happy because there was that misalignment between deep down really what I wanted and craved and what I was doing. And that's an important concept that I that informs everything I do now with the goal coaching and the accountability groups and stuff that I run is you have to have that alignment. And if you don't, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure and misery because you're not going to be able to sustain your drive. You're deep down not excited about what you're trying to achieve. And that's just a recipe uh, for mediocrity, unhappiness yeah. and all those things. So I, and I'd love to jump in, you're nailing this. And so at that time, I, you would help me revamp the path back and make that a whole different thing, which is helping so many people. And then you had suggested doing a group call. And I remember telling you that, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that, but I haven't really ran one. I mean, I've, I here now I'm going to sound egotistical, but I love speaking. I've spoken literally all over the world. I, I love doing podcasts. I'll go on anybody's podcast, but then I don't know. I, I wasn't sure how to work within a, like a group call for, helping people overcome addictive behaviors. And so you would come in and say, well, I'll, I'll set you up. I'll be the guy that says, welcome everybody. And here's the rules and get me your questions. And so you, you did that for a few weeks and it was so helpful. It, it helped me so much. And that group's just flourishing now. But then I, this is how I remember it. You had said, Hey, could you take a look at this uh, program that I'm putting together 
and give me your honest therapist feedback. And the reason I wanted to tell that whole story is there really was a moment of truth there, Neil, that I don't know if I ever shared with you, where I was reading all of the things that you had put together and they were wonderful things. But I think it goes back to when we were talking about the smart, smarter goals earlier, mm-hmm. or the smart goals that it, I felt like it was a lot of just the stuff that sounds great and gets people, gets them a little dopamine bump and they say, I'm going to do it. And then they do and they say, okay, what do I need to do? And then they follow along until then they realize, okay, man, this isn't, I'm not doing it anymore. Something must be wrong with me instead of looking at it of saying, oh, this must not be important or matter to me. And so in that group, then Neil had asked me if, okay, if he was going to spend some time on my group, could I jump into one of his first groups? And I would just sit back and, and observe and it was brilliant for me. And And so up to that point, I really had I was at this mindset of that setting goals is a recipe for failure and that things like New Year's, people would say, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to, I don't know, I'm going to read 12 books this year. Sounds great. But then I knew that by February or March when they're already at, they still haven't finished their first book. Now they were saying, okay, I'm never going to hit 12. And so then it's going to be, I might as well not do any more. I'm not going to read anything else and I'm going to wait till next year. And so I remember one of those conversations we had where it was like, okay, I'm starting to work these act principles in and okay, well, if reading really is a core value, then how about I'm going to have a, a value-based goal of reading every day, period. And then, and, and I really, and I remember one of these moments where that smart, there was, what was it measurable and, and all that stuff. And I thought, <laughs> Ooh, what if in the act world though, it's, I don't care if you read a paragraph, you know, that then you were going to continue to read throughout the year. And then I really felt like I have the data that says, and actually you may end up reading 14 books. If the goal is a value-based goal of reading and the, or of not gaining knowledge and the vehicle is reading, for example. Yes. So anyway, so, so I, I don't know what, if you, did you feel like I was poo-pooing your ideas early on or what was that like? <laughs> Yeah, I I wouldn't say poo-pooing, but it was this beautiful, like you said, the chocolate and peanut butter coming together because I was really focused and you helped refine so much of what I was doing because there is that tendency to get so focused on the execution piece and and uh, and the mechanics of it that when the psychology the the shame starts yes. to creep in that yes. was something that I hadn't quite figured out yet that you really helped me refine as well because you know I had this great goal setting system that I'd love to share a little more details yeah. about as well but then it was really you coming in and helping infuse the act the acceptance commitment stuff where it was like instead of setting this rigid goal let's insert some flexibility let's make mm-hmm. sure it's aligned and that was really where I started infusing those principles and experiencing them firsthand. And that was actually kind of fun through this partnership and all of this discovery with ACT and really um, understanding that I actually decided to leave that corporate mm-hmm. job at, in Chicago and partner with you and really help you build out your programs and and then now build out what today is Achievement Tribe, which is really exciting and, and yeah. kind of a more polished version of the programs I was working on in the past. But but yeah, yeah how, that, scary, how scary was that though? That leap, honestly, this is so fun, Neil. We, we've talked so much, but I didn't, I wouldn't even, I didn't talk about some of these things, but when you said, okay, yeah, if you could use some extra help, I'm in. And by the way, I'm quitting my job and moving. And I remember thinking, oh, Neil, not for me, but uh, <laughs> I mean, look look how I even made all that about myself. That was kind of fun. (laughs) No. And and this is great. Oh, yes. Another snort. Okay. So, and really, if I'm being totally transparent, you were in a big way, you were a a ticket out of that corporate America situation Mm. that I was in. You helped me. You also helped me launch the Happiness Playbook podcast, Mm, which which has been a huge 
which has been so fun. And you've just mentored me and coached me in the podcast world as well. But then, and then partnering and helping with those projects really set me up to, to have that confidence say, okay, here's something that I'm passionate about. Here's mm. something. And, and I can pay the bills. And I, I got some more projects lined up that were helping me bridge the gap. But it really was that partnership that helped me take that wow. leap of faith. And it's funny, it was scary. I have a family. We, yeah. we were, had, were three, newborn at the time. So to leave a cushy, you know, well-paying corporate job in Chicago to just blaze your own trail, it was scary. But the passion through that alignment overshadowed the, the fear. Okay. And it was just really exciting more than anything. But yeah, that was because I knew I had awesome people like Tony Overbay. You're rooting for me. And, and, oh, yeah, and I really was. And it's funny when you just mentioned your family, then of course, I, I just immediately thought of your amazing wife. And then it hit me that I've been talking about the you helping with the website and the path back. But holy cow, you helped Preston and I put together the Magnetic Marriage course. And then you and your wife were in that first round. And that thing, now we're on round three and we're it's changing lives. And you had a, a certain set of skills, as they say, to <laughs> that course together as well. So, I mean, you really are, yeah, you are really good at what you do with that. And and I even remember it was pretty quickly, I felt like that you you had a lot of opportunity in front of you. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, actually, um, yeah, a lot. And in fact, too much. Yeah. One <laughs> what, what of the principles we talk about on the happiness playbook is accept and build, which is also called yes. And in the applied improv world. And it's kind of this idea of accepting and validating building on what comes your way. And sometimes I'm a little too good at that. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so it can get me in trouble, but yeah, thankfully we've been incredibly blessed in that regard as well. Well, and I think uh, it's interesting. I, I have to do a little tangent. This is going to be fun, Neil. I didn't even think about all the things we can talk about here, but the yes and, you were a big part of it. An improv troupe, you acted young, you've got a viral video out there of you doing parkour. Um, <laughs> you know, which one of those do you want to tackle first? The improv. How, you, how, you, weren't you in a pretty successful improv troupe? Oh, yeah. So for those familiar with play theory, obviously, and out there in California, Take Note Troop was where I kind of got my my grounds. But then when I came out here to Utah, we actually started um, a group in Salt Lake. And it got pretty big. At one point, we were doing live shows once a month and, and getting about 300 people to show up to those. That was a lot of fun, but more so than the performance aspect of that, it was doing the workshops and applying the principles. Okay. Uh, that was really the fun part for me. And if you tune into the happiness playbook, you'll get, you'll be able to do a deep dive on all of the applied improv and play theory stuff. But yeah, that, that was a huge part as well to this story and, and just having those principles as a foundation to kind of be adaptive and flexible as life throws its curveballs your way. But yeah, it's play theory. Play theory is a huge part of it. And I'm sure that I will have said this in the opening that I haven't recorded yet, but we're doing a home and away podcast. And so I, when I hope everyone will go listen to the happiness playbook, because that is a talk about a, a dose of joy and something to pick you up. And then I really love the fact that, and we'll talk about it on yours. I'm going on your podcast next, Mm -hmm. but there's just some, you, you, what I really love is you guys do a great job of how to apply those principles in on a day-to-day basis or in your life. And so I really feel like that my podcast can get a little long at times. And I always love that yours is you guys just get to the point. You have good guests, you have great examples. And I will, I'm now am very confident that I will apply something from your podcast. So um, if anybody right now has not heard it, please go immediately and subscribe and listen to our episode there. That would be a lot of fun. 
That's awesome. It's only gotten that uh, far because you've helped us out. So let's see. I'm trying to get your ego just so big. You're not going to be oh, able I'm, to fit through I'm your own way out. Yeah, I mean, very right? <laughs> uh, So let's get back to goals because I really want okay. you to talk more about, you've talked a little bit about shame. I want to address that. Why do people hate setting goals? I feel like, I don't know if it's just gotten worse with the, the rise of more, again, I'm going to sound like the old man, get off my lawn, but the more social media already, people are talking about their New Year's goals. And then I feel like there's polarity. There's polarity in everything, right? Right now. And yes. so I really do feel like it's even to the point where people are either, I'm going to set all the goals and other people are saying, I will do no goals, none yes. whatsoever. Yeah. So why, do people, yes. why do people hate setting them? Well, I also fall into that camp for a long time. <laughs> I, I was in that camp of, I, I don't like goal setting and we've all had bad experiences, but it really boils down to this. We're using ineffective, outdated goal setting tactics yeah. that just don't work. And we, we already yeah. poo pooed on smart goals. And anyone who knows me knows that I, I am that's, very that's confident big. in saying they don't work. Smart yeah. goals do not work. And it's not because they're bad, it's because they're incomplete. And so this is where it gets fun because over the years, all the research I did and in my master's program, I actually did a deep dive with some of the PhDs in org behavior, you know, up at Utah State. We, came up with two key ingredients that are missing from almost all goals. And it's so simple. A SMART goal, you go through the list of the acronym, it's specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, time-bound. The problem is, all of that is the what. But the two ingredients that actually impact your drive is the why and the how. And so there's some Mm. cool research that was done at Clemson University with some undergrad students. There's about 499 students. And these professors, in relation to educational goals, researched hundreds of factors to try to nail down what were the, the factors that impacted their drive toward their goals. And they narrowed it down to two ingredients, and that is perceived value in the goal and perceived capability in achieving the goal. And those are the two key ingredients that are missing from most goals. And that's why most people have a bad experience. They set this goal, they get really specific. The health goals are a big one, right? I'm going to lose this many pounds. And, but there's no, the why that perceived value in the goal is not articulated and captured. And that's a problem because when you start wobbling, if you don't have an articulated why to reground in, again, going back to that alignment and, and really why it's important to you, and that's yeah. an important part of that, then you're going you're gonna to keep wobbling and not be driven. And I then have the other to tell you, I don't oh, lose ahead. place there, but I'm no. laughing because, again, man, am I that egotistical? I'm sitting there thinking, I think you've probably told me these things before, and I've been saying, and I think I was, yes, you're saying words, Neil, but let me tell you how it really is. But I feel like, in essence, I, that Clemson University research is spot on, obviously, because it's very recent space, but the the act principles of you must be in alignment with your value. And that value is why it's important to you, I think is exactly what you're talking about. And then the next one has to be, what did you say? Attainable or something that you can't. It's your perceived capability. Perceived capability. And that's where Mm -hmm. I feel like, again, that falls right in line, that social compliance around goals. So if somebody is saying that I'm going to, because I was going to have everyone become ultra marathon runners when I became a therapist. And <laughs> there have been very few, if any, of my clients who have gone on to do that. And I feel like some of that is the it is their there. Is it a value of theirs? 
period. And then is it what's their perceived ability to do that? If that's something yep. that they feel like, okay, number one, I don't think I want to go run 100 miles through the woods. And number two, I don't <laughs> know that I could even do that if I – and I feel like that's a perfect example of if I'm saying, hey, you can do anything you put your mind to. You just got to want it. And you just got to – that does get somebody to get that dopamine bump. And they're like, yeah, I can do this. And then when they go home and then they realize, okay, I don't even – want to do this. Do I? Well, man, what's wrong with me? Tony said, it's cool. I felt good in his office, but now I don't want to go run a hundred miles. Like I must be broken. And right. Okay. Right. And, and we're going to dive into the shame here in just a second too, but that, so you got that. The why is very important. And then it's the how, which is your perceived capability. And so this is actually kind of fun. And when I am coaching somebody on their goals, I always make sure that they are setting smarter goals And that is our version of uh, the goal setting system. That's the basis, but it's all grounded in this research of the why and the how. And so we have the smart goal as a foundation, but that is just a very small part. That's just getting started because the E and the R we're adding to make it smarter is an execution plan. So that's where the how and the perceived capability really gets boosted there. And then a reason why, which is obviously the perceived value. And when you capture those, when you make a good execution plan, you got an accountability partner, you forecasted obstacles and preemptively struck with solutions saying, if I'm trying to lose weight, I know the, the snack cupboard is going to be an issue. I'm just going to lock that. If you get a good execution plan in place, what happens is those two factors, those two key ingredients are really at the forefront of your mind and is is making your goal smarter and helping you stay driven toward your Okay, so I love this. I love and I again, I'm laughing to myself because I know that when we were even working together on that first uh, round of, of putting your course together, you would say smarter goals and I don't think I ever really paid attention and I feel so That's <laughs> okay. Cuz it's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It really is. So hopefully the things I said at that time were in alignment with the uh, cuz oh, 100%. So 100%. So yeah, that's really what it boils down to is people they set these goals but they're not thinking through the perceived value and capability and inevitably that's going to decrease your drive levels. And it's interesting because we've all spent time in, in these different emotional states. When you perceive value, but you don't perceive capability, when the how seems hard, then you're discouraged. You want something, but you can't get it. But if you flip that as well, maybe the how is not the problem. Maybe you it's part of your job. This happens in corporate America. I saw a lot okay. of this in Chicago where the goal is just given to you, right? There's the social compliance uh, creeping yeah. in and you know you can do it. It's part of your job description. But the why is not made clear to you. You don't see what's in it for you. And wow. so your perceived value is not there. And in those cases, you're disengaged. So we spend a lot of time in these discouraged and disengaged states. And what we need to be doing is regrounding in the why and the how and that perceived value and capability to stay driven toward our goal. So I'd say that's why a lot of people have bad experiences with their goals. And what I like that you're saying there, too, is then others might say your why is because you get a paycheck. And I feel like that, again, is honestly, that is a socially compliant because, yes, it is wonderful to get a paycheck, but I work with a lot of people that come into my office that get really good paychecks, but they absolutely feel disengaged or do not like their job. And it is so wild. I can think of two people right now that they say, I I know I shouldn't complain shooting on themselves that they make (laughs) a, a lot of money and they only work a few hours a week. And but it's when they don't have a sense of purpose, they don't feel like there is a reason or a connection, then that is not 
it is not the euphoric thing that I think we dreamt of as kids where I just want to get paid a lot of money and play video games. I mean, I literally literally had somebody that was a video game tester. I will never forget this. They got their, quote, dream job, and they immediately were put on a testing a Dora and her backpack game. And they just (laughs) played that over and over and over. And they got so tired of her backpack and boots, little monkey and whatever. And so, you know, (laughs) there wasn't that value really or that really sense of, of purpose or connection in there. Yes. And and that's a huge problem. And a lot of people will unfortunately look at compensation or or the salary as the the why, but it's a hygiene factor. If you're familiar with that concept, it's like, what is that? So, okay. So hygiene factor, and that's where compensation falls. If you show up and you haven't showered, if you show up to a party and you you stink, (laughs) people are going to notice, right? Yes. If you show up and, and you don't stink, nobody calls that out. No one says, hey, congratulations, Neil. You, you don't stink today. And that's where the compensation lies. It's If it's not high enough, you notice. But you could get paid, and, and there's probably a breaking point at absorbing amounts of money. But there, there's a point where it's just the hygiene factor. It's, yeah, you need to pay the bills, and your pay is getting it there, but it, it's not noticeable, and it doesn't really light your soul on fire. So that's kind no, of no. I love it. I, I remember way back in the day, one of the first uh, early podcasts I did went, was this one about this money buy you happiness and the research. The formula was pretty amazing, where it was a fairly low number that was then the I don't know. Let's say it was, I, I don't even want to. I don't want to say what a low number. This is where like privilege. You know, and it was only like a million and a half dollars. Can you believe <laughs> <Right>. that? <laughs> but then there was a number. But then it was uh, then it was the exponential happiness factor was not much more after a certain so and, and i and i have some of the most wealthy people i've ever worked with are miserable because they yes. feel no connection or sense of purpose that that's right and it doesn't go a very long way if you're if that is what you're relying on is your why your perceived value it's not going to last and and that's where i was in chicago i was like i was making good money yeah. uh but i wasn't happy because of that misalignment and that social compliance so yeah that's definitely something to keep in mind and this might be a good sh- uh, segue into the shame Absolutely. topic, which yeah. you, you know, we, I just this listen thing. to you shut up and, and no. say, hey, no, Tony, no. you go on this. But it's interesting because, and you mentioned this, a lot of people set goals. And then when they start wobbling yeah. on those goals, they're not they're not hitting the, the milestones. They start to feel that shame, the the. In, and the shame defined as inherent incapability, right? Or incompetence. Mm. That's kind of, mm. I am incapable. That shame really creeps in. And it's so important. There's a few things we do in Achievement Tribe to kind of mitigate that. And again, it's all based on things I learned from you and the social compliance. But A, it's, it's first finding that alignment. And what I encourage people to do is a life map to really get clear on their goals. And I know you have a similar exercise that you do with your clients to, to find their goals, their value-based, you know, goals that they can, they can kind of look to. And once you get that defined kind of at a high level, like, here's what I want my life to look like in each category. Then you start taking action toward that life map and making sure that your goals are aligned with it. Because if there's not that alignment, obviously you got to ask yourself, okay, is this a social compliant thing? Which that's a hard conversation to have. And I'd love to hear your thoughts, maybe on people you've worked with where, you know, trying to be better for a spouse, for example, that's, um, 
at face value, that's a very noble endeavor. But if you can't really dig deep and find the why in it for yourself, I, I, I think you're you're still going to struggle as long as it's just to make somebody else happy. Is that fair to say? Oh, it's uh, Neil. That, that is now it is fun because I'm enjoying this interview so much. And now when you were saying those things, my my marriage therapist brain just went into high gear because I, I <laughs> yeah. and even the last probably couple of months, I've been really hyper focused on the concept of the need for external validation. And so it's that, yeah, I'm doing it because I, you know, I don't feel very good about myself or my marriage. So I want my spouse to make me feel better about my, myself. Yes. And so what's the way to do that? To ask them, well, just tell me what you need me to do. <clears throat> cause, and, and cause that will make you happy. And then by you being happy, then that will make me happy. And there's right. too, too many variables there. And that's where I start talking about things get into this uh, checkbox uh, version of a marriage. And so, yep. well, you told, you told me to do these three things and now you aren't jumping up and down for joy. So now I don't feel very good. And I did the things you asked me to. And so you can see how far out in the weeds we get from an actual connection. And that's where, you yep. know, in the marriage course that, that you helped us with so much is the four pillars of a connected conversation, allow people to have those conversations. But I really do feel like you're on to something so much. I, I, I had someone challenge that in my office a couple of weeks ago. And so I always want to be as open and vulnerable as I can, because they did say that at one point they were they were their marriage was not healthy and they were, in essence, kind of forced to learn these four pillars. So they did say it was it felt like more of a checkbox item. I will do this for you. But and now they they speak four pillars fluidly and their marriage is is really it's going really well. And so I did. I appreciated that. But I kind of said, okay. but you were also looking at that with curiosity and saying, okay, I I don't know what I don't know. So but I also reserve the right to be able to communicate about if this isn't something that is in alignment with my values. Right. So I thought that was really interesting. So anyway, I love your, your point, because I feel like when you were saying that can be a really difficult thing, that life map or figuring out what really means matters to you is, is I, I do see the difficulty at first, because that first layer, when somebody goes through that, I don't think they're even aware that they're still doing things because they, that's what they're supposed to do. And so, right. you know, and, and I'm having another really funny moment in my mind. Now I remember a couple of the calls where you would talk about the life map and you would bring it up on the screen and I would kind of act like I'm somewhat paying attention and, Oh, I dug your life map. I really did. And it was one of those things where I thought I should probably do that. But then I thought, I don't know if I want to confront those things right now. You know, I'll, I'll just do it later. I've got all these other things I got to do because it's a great exercise because I really feel like it is hard to self confront. And, yes. I can, and, and, and I want to sound, I want it to sound so easy because I want to say, but it really doesn't need to be as hard as we make it out to be. Because even when we're doing the, what do I really care about? We still don't even realize we have to be able to step outside of our ego but I always say that you have to have your hand, though, over on you. You have to realize that, oh, there still is an ego. So I'm stepping outside of it to be able to kind of take a look and see, man, why do I believe that? And yes. I have to be honest with myself, right? And why do I believe yes. that? Is it because that is how I got validation as a kid, you know, mm-hmm. or, is, or or that's how I have been recognized? Um, I, you know, if I, if I, I love speaking and I always thought that all I would want to do is speak all over the world and everybody tell me it's awesome. But then the more I would do it, I love the speaking, but it turns out I don't want people to tell me it's awesome because I feel uncomfortable. So, you know, really <laughs> self confront and say, what is it about yourself of why you like the things you do or why you care about the things you care about? And I feel like it's hard to not do that with the man, should I be thinking this or should I not? And I always say, you got to reframe it and just say, check this out. Like this, these are my thoughts and these are my experiences. Yep. 
So let's take a look at them with, without that judgment and with more curiosity because that shame oh. stuff creeps in. Right. And then when the shame yep. stuff and I really feel sorry, now I'm on a roll. So I've go yeah. this year, but the shame stuff I've been thinking about a lot more and more. So yeah, you, you know, when we would talk about the path back stuff, I, I always say that I'm O for 1600 now of working with individuals where shame was a component of recovery. And yet, why do we continue to beat ourselves up? And if that was the answer, boy, we would all be perfect at this point. So it's apparently not the right. answer. But I've been thinking lately, and I have no data to back this up. So that's why I, I you know, as a, but I really, I've been thinking a lot about when we beat ourselves up. <clears throat> I, wonder, I wonder if that's the, when we were younger and we were seeking external validation, one of the ways we would get it is if we would say, man, I'm horrible or I'm dumb or I'm no good. And somebody would inevitably say, hey, bud, you're okay. No, you, you can do this. Yes. And we'd be like, oh, that makes me feel better because of what you said. And now I feel like we've almost internalized that as we get older. And so we're beating ourselves up and nobody's there to rescue us because we're not going to have that self-compassion. So that's just a theory, right? Oh, no. You you said so many awesome things there that are are just so important to understand, especially from the angle of curiosity. What a powerful attribute. I love that you brought that up because if you can lean into that curiosity, have that fuel you know, new things. And even something we found as well that's really helpful with mitigating the shame in the goal setting process is to really, really make sure you're getting everyone's hands off the steering wheel is the first thing. And and this is actually a concept my brother-in-law guy introduced me to. Um, And it's, there's so many hands on the, on your steering wheel, you know, of life. And especially when you're life mapping, I always tell people it's so important to get those hands off. And and sometimes you don't even realize they're there. You mentioned this, right? Like, like my mom's hand is there. She loves me. She's been there for me. It's, she's great. I love her. You know, I'm okay. But that hand is still on the steering wheel Mm -hmm. calling the shots in your subconscious mind. And so it's so important with love to get these hands off the steering wheel so that you can be in the driver's seat and you can determine and do that soul searching. And it can be uncomfortable confronting that. Like, what what do I really value? And once you get the hands off the steering wheel, there is kind of this, this moment of like, whoa, who am I? You know, sometimes there's like this identity crisis that accompanies yes. that experience. But it's so important to do that because until you do, you're, you don't even realize it. You're just setting, whether subconsciously or consciously, these, these socially compliant goals that are not aligned with your core values. And so I love that you brought that in. One other quick thing on mitigating shame in the goal setting process that we found helpful is looking at lead measures and lag measures and making sure that we understand the difference. And for anyone who's, who's not familiar with that concept, a lag measure is kind of the outcome of your actions where the lead measure are the actions that lead to that outcome. So for example, example? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So a really common example, somebody sets a goal. They say, I want to lose 15 pounds. Okay. That is an outcome. Okay. But there are lots of lead. So that's a lag measure. There are a lot of lead measures that result in that outcome of losing weight. So exercise, eating right, you know, doing all the things. And what we found is when you focus on the lag measure, it's, there are a lot of things even outside of your control and that, that lead measure, everything leading up to the outcome that can really derail you. And if you're focusing, you're saying, man, I want to lose this weight, but 
then, you know, a family member dies or, you know, then Christmas rolls around or, or you have some kind of health condition that comes up and you're bedridden. There's a lot of things that can happen where that lag measure deteriorates and doesn't become a goal. And so I really help people focus on those lead measures. What are you in control of that you can do? You know, you can be in control of what you eat. You can be in control of how much you exercise or whatever. And, and, you know, even in there, there's some nuance, but, um, but you've got to focus on these lead measures because that's easier to, to fill in control. And, and then, then I always see better lag measures and better outcomes when we focus there first. And that helps with the shame as well. And, and mitigating that inherent incompetence. Right. So that yeah. was just another concept. No, Neil, I love it. I actually just wrote that down because I feel like that describes and maybe if I can uh, workshop this with you, maybe as you guys said in the improv world, I don't think that's maybe what you really called it. (laughs) But I really like this and I will I overuse I'll go back to the reading example. I do my push up example constantly and I feel like I I want a different example. But the reading one, I really can think of the person specifically who said I'm going to read 12 books in a year. And honestly, as we kind of alluded to earlier, that I boy, I just want to bless their heart because I feel like. I don't know what the percentage would be of people that aren't going to accomplish that. It sounds great. So that would be the right. the lag measure is 12 books. And yep. so then the, but the lead measure is, it is, I mean, it's, it's, it's doing the, it's reading. I mean, that it's the actions you can do. And then I feel like uh, in my world, I often want to then find the, like you say, the why. So the value. So if it's a, if there's a value of knowledge, because if it's just, I want to read books. And if I explore that, especially this, this person, it wasn't necessarily, but with others, why do you want to? Well, because I've heard that a well-read person is is smart or is right. you know, all the leaders I've heard about like to read. So then if that's the case, it is absolutely a socially compliant goal. I'm doing it because I think that I should or it will make me a better yep. person. And so then when when you have other things going on in your life and that isn't a real value, then here comes that thing. I know we would talk about experiential avoidance. And so I'm just going to check my email first. Even I'm going to do things I think are pretty productive. I'm going to, I'm going to go, uh, I mean, I've got a, someone I was talking with recently where they, they will even say, no, I'm, I'm going to go help my wife. And that is an amazing thing, but then it's experiential avoidance because we've really identified yep. that it's because they really don't care about the, the goal that they set or the mechanism of, to get there. So that reading one, right? So then I often say, okay, let's let's identify a value. And this person had a value of knowledge. So how do they want to acquire knowledge? Reading. So it doesn't even have to be a book. I mean, it can be uh, articles, right. it can be magazines, it can be whatever. So then it's the, so they set this goal of I'm going to read something every day. And, and I thought that was brilliant. And then they said, well, how long? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, if you, and that's where I felt like I, I struggle where if somebody says, well, I, even if they say, well, I'm just going to do it 10 minutes a day and my brain still immediately goes to, oh man, there are going to be days where you're not going to do it for 10 minutes. And then you're going to slip into that. What is wrong with me? And then, yep. right. And then I feel like, so this is a thing where I felt like you and I created something special. Do you remember it was the get back on the horse uh, concept? Yes. Get back on the saddle plan. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. That's right. Okay. Do you want to talk about that? Yes. Cause this is actually a really powerful tool as well that we use in achievement tribe. And that okay. is, you know, you're not always going to be on your A game. That is mm-hmm. a fact. And when you wake up and, you know, if you had a rough night's sleep, whatever, you ate something you shouldn't, you can have an off day. And it's important to have a game plan for those off days yeah. to get you back on the saddle, right? And so what we do is we have, and, and this is something we, we developed together as well yeah. that I, I really loved, 
is you just say, okay, I'm going to outline the the immediate five steps that I can take to get back on the saddle. If I'm feeling off, you know, get rid of the shame. Just say, learn how to recognize your off days and your mm-hmm. off moments, you know, and, and especially if you're really trying to overcome something and you have a, you know, a slip up or a setback, mm-hmm. you eat something you shouldn't, you, you do something you're not supposed to. It's so important to have that in place so you can say, it's time to get back on the saddle. And then, and, and there's this concept as well of um, activation energy that Sean Aker's huge on, which I love. And that's basically, you know, how much effort is it going to take to do something? And if you can reduce the friction, you can reduce that activation energy, then it, you're making success inevitable. So you want to you reduce the friction for the things you, you want to do and increase the friction with the things that you're trying to, to you know, steer away from. And so that's what the get back on the saddle plan is. It's reducing the friction and activation energy. So, you know, when you have an off day or an off moment, you know exactly what to do. And it can just be this way. And again, psychologically, your brain can just, you know, go through this little list, you know, check it off and, and, and get back on the saddle and get a quick win. That's a huge concept as well. That's so powerful. It's just when you, when you need some momentum, get those quick wins in, even if it's just shooting somebody a text or an email or just one little task, just get in a quick win and that can help you get momentum um, to get back on the saddle. No, I, man, I love that you've, you've taken, you've even added so much more to it. And I really, I love that about the way that you took this concept and then you added these steps, which I think is so powerful. Uh, You know, I, the reading example is for, for somebody listening would be then because inevitable, yeah, things happen and we go, it's three or four days and now I haven't even read anything. Then we have mm-hmm. a, we typically then will say again, it's like, what is wrong with me? I can't even, I can't even just read, even though I haven't set you know, 12 books or whatever. I really must be bad. And so we were, we would talk about, oh no, when you were aware of it, then note it like, okay, that's a thing. I missed three days. Interesting. Yep. Uh, right. And that's some pretty powerful stuff. And then it's like, uh, I love what you're saying. And then I've got this, this uh, get a quick win. You know, I've got these steps I can turn to. We haven't even talked about this. I'm, I'm doing this one on the fly, but this is where I love and act the concept of expansion. So then one, cause I, you know, once I'm aware and then I do have these, these steps you're talking about and I'm, and I want the quick win, my brain is probably still going to fight me a little bit and say, well, yeah, but it's been three days or I don't even want, I'm not, I don't want to do it. How about that old man? You know what I mean? And then ex- <laughs> expansion is saying totally. Yeah, I don't. I I know that I don't want to do it, and I'm gonna invite not wanting to do it to come with me while I go down this list, you know. And and right. I feel like, boy, that is that is a powerful thing because then I love your concept of a quick win because it's almost like when the brain sees the quick win, and you did it even though you didn't want to, then it, it has to give you a little credit. I mean, that's right. Yeah. Like your brain's like, okay, I'll give you that one, but you you just wait, you know. <laughs> that's right. And, and I, I gotta interject. Yeah. One other just quick thing here as well is if you have an accountability partner, a very powerful concept between this, just, you know, getting over those, those failures and the shame Mm -hmm. is something we bake into the experience and achievement tribe is you get partnered up with somebody and you come up with an incentive Mm -hmm. or penalty, however you want to look at it. So that if you have your focus habit for that week that you're trying to do every day and you don't come through on it or you don't check in with your accountability partner, there is just a little slap on the wrist that is a, you know, some people do $2 Venmo, yeah, two bucks or whatever. And it's interesting at, at first glance, it's like, oh my gosh, my shame alarm's going off. But what we found, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts real quick on this, if you have any, is that you, you failed. You didn't come through on your habit for that day. Yeah. But then if you just 
you get that little slap on the wrist. It really empowers you to say, Hey, I paid, I paid my dues, you know, and now I can just move forward with no shame. It's like, yeah, I, I didn't come through, but we already agreed that if I didn't come through, I'd give you this, this little, yeah, I'd send you a song on iTunes or whatever. Yeah. And so, um, Anyway, that's been a really effective tool as well for mitigating shame. It's just kind of these little slap on the wrist, and it just allows you to say, "Okay, I paid. I paid the price. Let's move forward." No, I, I so I like it. I'm so I was I was stifling back funny jokes in my head that I right there about like the, I was going to try to work something into. Wait a minute, the iTunes songs like Neil used to tell me, "Hey, I'm going to." I don't know, share my childhood photos or, you know, whatever, lop off my little finger or whatever. So apparently that's evolved now. So it's just you know, much more tangible, but I, I couldn't get it out and it doesn't sound as funny as I wanted it to. I, I love the, pr- the principle though is so good because I feel like this does harken back to the, you know, we, we want it. Now, ideally I would love for somebody to be an, an absolute Zen master and, and just be present and whatever, but that isn't, that isn't reality. So we, right. we do want a little bit of a, I did, I'm good. I mean, we do. And that's where I feel like we sometimes we need to accept the fact that we really as much as I'm talking about, oh, we don't have to have this need for external validation. Sometimes it's the we need a little bit of that. I love the friction or we need a little bit of something. So I I do like that. Okay, no, you know what? I want people to just accept it and move on. But I feel like having a little accountability piece there does help us say, no, I'm good. And and maybe that is the, the little bit of a reset that you need just enough to keep moving forward. So yep. I love that. Hey, I've, we've almost gone an hour. This is, I was, I think I was initially saying 30, 40 minutes. I feel so bad. I could keep talking to you. So are you okay to, to tell us about, you know, tell us about your program. Tell us about where people find it. And cause I will, I will put links in the show notes. I mean, everything. Cause this is amazing. I hope that people that are listening, get an idea that, you know, your, I mean, your achievement tribe, plant tribe, your achievement tribe, <laughs> tribe uh, yeah. is there's a lot that has gone into it. There, there are years of development behind it. And I, I feel fortunate to have had conversations with you that I'm, it's so neat to see even how they've evolved into this program. So what is it? Where do people find it? What do they do? Yes. And this really is uh, such a product of all the conversations we've had. So thank you so much for that. Achievement tribe is a goal achievement system made up of three key ingredients. It's a proven goal system. It's an accountability group, and it is a planner that was built from the ground up to help you competently set, pursue, and achieve your goals. So with all of that together in one place, we do these goals where we incorporate all of the things that we talked about on today's show and um, really come together as a tribe of achievers to to support each other and, and help each other set and achieve our goals. And so we've got a goal sprint coming up in January that I would love for I would love for everyone to to join if they're wanting to really, you know, just have that system in place where they can um, reduce all of the, the angst and wonder out of the goal setting process and really just um, level up. We would love to have you. And I actually, for anyone listening today, I will do a free goal consultation with anyone wow. listening right now. Oh, and yeah. so, so and that's a, that's a big thing. I don't, I don't yes. throw that to anybody, but I really want to add value for your listeners. And, and so if anybody listening wants to get on a 20 minute call and you want to, You want me to help you set a goal, think through the new year, no strings attached at all. Or if you just want more information about the Achievement Tribe, I'm happy to sit down with you and to to really help you for for 20, 30 minutes. And so how you do that is uh, you go to achievementtribe.co.co. 
achievementtribe.co, and you'll see a sign-up link right there front and center on the homepage. And I would love to chat with you, help you set some goals or, or think through, get back on the saddle plan, whatever. So that's that's the call to action. Perfect. And I, what I, okay, so I feel like I want to jokingly say I can always edit this out, but I feel like I want to then be a part of that goal sprint in January because I feel like I want that, uh, I want that accountability. So maybe I will, I will join you on this uh, venture and then we can have you back on in a few months and follow up and see where people are at and how things are going. Yes, I would love that. Oh my gosh. And in fact, I've already been scheming ways to have you come on and, and be a guest speaker. We're going to have a monthly, a monthly training as well. And you are the first person I want to have. I share some stuff there. So, and this time when I'm on, I will pay full attention and not just be thinking about my own ego. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and I meant to mention this as well. If anyone wants to join the goal sprint, you can join and we're giving everyone a discount for that as well, which okay. the discount code is virtual couch. And if you do that at checkout, awesome. you'll, you'll get like 30% off. So it's a pretty okay. big discount on that. And, but, and uh, it will change your whole life. No, no, no big deal. Right. N- no big okay. deal. Yeah. Your life hey. will change forever. So <laughs> uh, we could have gone on and on and on. Hey, what a pleasure to have you on here. And what I want uh, even listeners to know, if you enjoyed this, Neil and I are literally now going to move over into uh, his podcast, which I've been waiting to do forever. And so please just like, just follow the, the links. I'll have them in the show notes or just right now while you're uh, listening to this, go, go pull up your podcast app and find the happiness playbook. And then you can hear us in just a matter of moments. Still hearing you. Yes. So, Neil Hooper, Can't thanks wait. so much for joining me. Uh, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, okay. Tony. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Yep. Okay. See ya. Compressed emotions flying past our heads and out the other end. The pressures of the daily grind. It's wonderful. Elastic waste and rubber ghost. I'm floating past the Push aside.